For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You're tuned into the Believe in Bengals show with Solomon Wilcott and Adam Pacman Jones. Welcome, everyone. The Believe in Bingo podcast delivered by 828 Logistics. Adam Pacman Jones, Solomon Wilcott. And yeah, I'm coming on with a heavy heart today after losing 17 to 20 to the Dallas Cowboys. Remember last week on this show, I told the playmaker, Michael Irvin, why does everybody hate the Cowboys? Now I know why. Because they win games, they got no business winning. <laughs> and we losing games, Adam, we got no business losing. Oh, my God. No business losing this game. First of all, <laughs> and first and foremost, Joe is getting hit way too much. Woo. We got to figure out what's going on, bro. We spent way we too do. much money on the offseason for my boy to be getting hit, hit and um, uh, 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 consecutively like this. This is this don't make no sense. I don't know what to say. Um, we said uh, go by line. Mr. Brown, he did everything he could do to to figure out what we had to do to go by line. We bought the line. These guys got to perform at the end of the day. Joe is getting hit way too much. Yeah, it's a problem. We're going to talk about it in a minute. I, I'm going to tell you what bothered me. Here's what bothered me the most. And then there are a lot of things that bother me. And we're going to get to every single one of them. But I'm looking at the Dallas Cowboys come out on the field with their backup quarterback in Cooper Rush, backup wide receiver in Noah Brown, backup running back in Tony Pollard. All three of them scored touchdowns on the Bengal. All three of them came out ready to play. The very first series, they go right down the field to score on us score. with their backups against our starters, Cooper Rush, Noah Brown, the wide receiver, Tony Pollard, they're good football players. I'm giving them credit. But how does their backups beat our starters? Tell me about that. I, I, I'm lost for words, man. And I, I I didn't understand some some of the stuff that was going on in the game. But once I went back and looked at the game, um, I think the game plan was to run at 11 instead of letting him you know, pin his ears back and, and and have a hell of a day. But now I, we didn't control none of the offensive line. And you look at, I go back, look at targets. I'm like, all right, is it the targets? I'm like, really, it's not the targets. You know, Hurst had seven targets. Uh, Chase had nine. T. Higgins had 10 targets. Only target problem I had a problem with was uh, Tyler Board. Boy, he only had two targets. He need to have way more than two targets. Another thing I had a problem with, which um, I want you to tell me if I'm wrong or right, Sally, because I know that we was behind the chains a little bit, but Joe Mixon only got 19 carries. Yeah, look, here's the deal. I thought Joe ran the ball well, by the way. Um, he gives us a fighting chance. The problem is Joe constantly has to make people miss in the backfield. I mean, he was nifty and quick on his feet. He's running as good as we've seen him run, but he's having to do too much work 
behind the line of scrimmage, he should not even be encountered with the first defender until he gets past the line of scrimmage. But we're right. we're not clean in our operation up front in any of our blocking schemes. And that's in the run game, and that's in the passing game. So we got to get better when it comes to a lot of this stuff. And, uh, you know, look, I, you know, I want, I want to ask you this. Is this what we're dealing with? Is it a byproduct? And I'm talking about Joe Burrow getting sacked sacked six times yesterday against the uh, Dallas Cowboys, 13 times already in two games. That's his average of six and a half sacks per game. He's on pace to be sacked over 110 times for the season. So I want you to help me out with this. Is this a byproduct of just the fact that we've got um, these offensive linemen need to be better? Is it a product of they need to have better chemistry or that our communication need to be better up front with the offensive line? Or is it also a part of the quarterback needing to get rid of the ball sooner, maybe processing faster? I want to kind of figure this out because it makes no sense to come up here every single week and blame the offensive line exclusively. So help me out with this. All right, this is what I took from it. All right, out of those six sacks, Joe did probably hold on the ball two of those. So I give two of those sacks to Joe. Um, but besides that, the other ones, no, shit. He wouldn't he didn't have a chance to hold on to it. But I, I went back and, and thought about how were how was we successful last year? Um, I know this year we we put a lot of emphasis on the line up front, um, trying to play power football. Me personally, now that I'm looking at the line, I'm looking back at the last eight, nine games we played. Um, most of those games we played, you know what I mean, three, spread it out, you know what I mean, dink and dunk, and then go for the big shots. I think Zach think, thought the line would be better, but I think we have to go back. We can't do five-step drops 100 times this year because right now the line chemistry is not where it needs to be. So I, I think we need to shorten, shorten it up a little bit, quick dinks and dunk, and, and do some of the things we did last year because – the offensive line have not gelled to where they need to be to be running up under the center or or doing five step drops three, five, six, seven times out of a 12 or 14 play series. Now, I'm not blaming the coaches at all, but I, I will say this. You, you, when you go back and look at the film, you have to figure out what can I do better, first of all, and what yeah. can I do to win? Um, what, what can we do better? First of all, we got we got a. Uh, um, say what's what's up front because it starts up front. So you gotta address the line part first. Like you said, Joe is running for dear life and still averaging three three yards a carry. Ninety percent of the time when they get in the backfield, like you said, he's making two three uh, moves just to get back to the line of scrimmage. So we gotta Joe figure Mixon. Out, Joe yeah, Mixon. Joe Mixon. Yeah, we gotta yeah. we gotta figure out something to slow these guys up front, which I think is spreading out because don't nobody want to play us spread it out uh, with a light box. Um, so we got to put that back in, in perspective um, going forward, I think. Coming up in our final segment, um, we're going to wear our coach's hat and we're going to tell Cincinnati Bengals fans what we would do to fix this team. If we were the coaches, how would we help them rebound after an 0-2 start? And at that point, I will give you what my fixes are at this point of the season. We're going to take a break. We will be back with more when we come back. 
It's going to be time for the player of the week or the performer of the week. And of course, that's brought to you by uh, the lovely people at Eli Sports Bar and Grill. We're going to step aside. We'll be back. You're listening and watching the Believe in Bingo podcast delivered by the wonderful people at 828 Logistics. We'll be back in a moment. We are back. Believe in Bingo podcast delivered by 828 Logistics. And Adam, it's time now for our performer of the week brought to you by Eli Sports Bar and Grill, our performer of the week, week two against the Dallas Cowboys, to me is a guy who I think is an unsung hero for this team. His leadership and his toughness, I don't care what the scoreboard says, his performance is always a winning one, and that is Cincinnati Bengals interior defensive lineman, defensive tackle, DJ Reader. He was still dominant in this game. PFF, Pro Football Focus, had him as the top-rated run defender for the Cincinnati Bengals defense. He was also the top-rated pass rusher on the defense week two. So, DJ Reader getting his props this week for me. I, I totally agree, man. Um, he, he has done a, a hell of a job up front and keeping the other guys going. But we need more sacks. We need – because DJ, he, he's not really built to get the sacks. He's built to stop the run and free up the uh, the guys on the outside. You get what I'm saying? So he's doing a good job of giving them the one-on-ones. We got one sack and zero turnovers. Yeah. We got to get more turnovers and more stacks. I mean, sacks, I should say. But, DJ, man, um, you're doing a hell of a job. Keep doing what you're doing. And you know, like they say, it's going to turn around. They come in you, bunches. I'm going to give you the numbers for DJ Reader. okay? 16 pass rush opportunities because as you well know they rotate in their front he, he's one of the big guys he's a space eater yeah. uh primarily for run defense but in the pass rush game he had two hits on the quarterback he had two hurries he had four total pressures out of 16 plays you know what that means four out of 16 represents 25 percent of the plays that's a quarter of the plays when he was in there when they were throwing the football so he had a 25 percent uh, win rate when it came to his pass rushing ability. It was the highest grade that you can give a defensive player for the Cincinnati Bengals. He had the number one rated um, pass rush grade. He also had the number one uh, rate. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Get it? Run defense grade. And here's what he had. Out of 21 plays, run plays, he had five stops and he had... Um, he had basically a 28% positive rate when it came to run defense. In other words, of the plays that he was on the field when they ran the ball, 28% of them uh, were uh, received a positive grade. And you and I both know as an interior defensive lineman, it's really hard to really score a guy, but he's, he's beating his guy 28% of the time. And that's not easy because he's been double teamed a lot of those times as well. And I, I totally agree, you know, it's it's hard for those guys to get the credit that it, that they should get. But, like, we had a guy that was really good that wore 
number 90, what was he, 97 here, I think. Gino. 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 Uh, and he reminded me a lot of Gino, you know what I mean, being low to the ground, power. Yeah, yeah. Um, Gino was a little bit quicker with his feet. But um, DJ is special, man. Um, his play speaks for itself. He's probably playing as, as not one of the top five, I would say, right now as far as coming in and playing the D-tackle position, man. But kudos, man. Kudos, kudos to him. But we got to get these other guys get to the quarterback. Defense did a good job. They held the Dallas Cowboys only 30% um, conversion rate on third down. The Cowboys yeah, 3 of 10 on third down. So our defense was able to get off the field on third down. We got the ball back for our offense, I thought, in some critical moments, uh, particularly at the end uh, of the fourth quarter. Offense didn't do anything with it. And then when we had to punt it to them, we didn't even get one first down in that situation, which meant when we did punt it, they got good field position. And immediately, Cooper Rush, bang, um, connection with uh, C.D. Lamb, bam. Another connection with Noah Brown, bam. Another connection with C.D. Lamb. And then next thing you know, they're lining up to kick a game-winning 50-yard field goal. Had we moved the ball in similar situation, I know our boy, uh, Evan McPherson, the assassin is going to knock one through for the game winner. It literally came down to that kind of exchange. Give the Bengals a lot of credit for coming back. They were down in this game and they fought their way back to tie it up all at 17. Uh, but we got to continue. We got to find a way to win these close games and not continue to find a way to give it over to the other team, Matt. I totally agree. We don't gave two of them away. Preseason is over with, Sally. We need the rest of these. <laughs> That's right. All right. Well, thanks for joining us for this uh, wonderful Performer of the Week segment. That's right. DJ Reader, the Cincinnati Bengals Performer of the Week, brought to you by Eli Sports Bar and Grill. We'll be back right here on the Believe in Bingo podcast delivered by 828 Logistics. Welcome back, everyone, to the Believe in Bingo podcast delivered by 828 Logistics. Solomon Wilcox, Adam Jones. And right now, Adam, we're joined by one of our favorite Bengals, Cincinnati Bengals radio analyst Dave Lapham joins us on the podcast. Dave, look, I, I know you're probably a little bit uh, not at your best, just like Adam and I after going down to Dallas yesterday. So help us to understand what was it like in that building and what was the energy and how did it impact the start of the game? It was loud. There's, there's no question about that, but um... – you know, one of the big goals that they had was to get off to a fast start. And as we all know, it was just the opposite of that, man. I mean, unbelievable. The first, uh, the first 18 snaps that the Dallas Cowboys took, they traveled 150 yards and scored 14 points. And Bengals found themselves down 17-3 in the first half for the second consecutive week. You keep digging holes like that, you know, it's just it's, it's, it's harder and harder to crawl out of them. Thing that amazes me, guys, the first game, 10 minutes of overtime, a full 10 minutes, 70 minutes plus 60 yesterday, 130 minutes. They have never had a lead in 130 minutes of football. Unbelievable. Yeah. And with saying that, and still have a chance to win the game at the end of the game. Um, and I, I was me and Solomon was talking earlier about a couple of things that we we think that we could have did differently as a team. Um and we won, you know, uh, the long snapper get, get hurt. So that kind of plays a part in how that game ended. Um, and this week, um, it just seemed like we we haven't had the guys up front yet to mesh together, 
to protect Joe. Um, I know I said I said two of them that I think he held on it a little too long that he could have got the ball away or throwing the throwing the ball away. But the other four, um, I don't know if if he could have threw the ball away on those. Yeah, I agree, Adam. I mean, it, it's it's a uh, it's one of those things where you know, as an offensive line, like five supposed to be like one, you know, and when you only have three like one or four like one, and you got one or two to eight, it's not going to work, you know, and, and they're just not, they're not in a the rhythm. They're not cohesive totally yet. And it's, it's a, it's a myriad of things too. Like in the first game, you know, Joe got that early pick six and then continued the turnover parade. And then there were five turnovers in that game, four interceptions. And I'm just thinking, you know, he was very, very careful with the football and, um, you know, I, there there were times definitely where the offensive line just got beaten and, and need to be better. There were times he might have held the ball a little bit, a little uh, too long. But I'll tell you one thing: they were not going to give up the deep ball, man. They played cover two from Jump Street and never got out of it. And said, you know, you're gonna you're gonna have to run us out of cover two, and they couldn't get that done. They couldn't, you know, get the line of scrimmage uh, controlled enough to run them out of that cover two. And they stayed in it all day long and. The, 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 this is the first time in a long time that I can remember the Bengals went through a game. They did not have one play of 20 yards or more. Their longest completion was 19 yards. Their longest run was 17 yards. Everything was intermediate short, intermediate short. They never really uh, stretched the football field whatsoever. So, Dave, look, you played on the offensive line, so help us out here. Is this a byproduct of new guys needing more time up front? When it comes to the chemistry, when it comes to the communication, you said it was loud in there. Um, and what more can we do? I mean, we they're giving us a double A look. They're mugging us. But we know Michael Parsons is coming off the corner and we don't even block them. And some of these things, I get the communication. I get the lack of chemistry because we haven't been together for a while. But some of this, we've got to begin to uh, to sort of work our way out of it in just some pure common sense. You see Michael Parsons coming off the corner, man. You can't turn him loose on Joe Burrow. No way. No way. I mean, that that guy, you, you talk about somebody that's a genetic freak, man. Yeah. That, that's, that's a freakazoid. And uh, he's, he's tracking for 34 sacks right now. He's got two a game in his first two games. <laughs> and they don't even have him off the edge every time. You know, he comes off the edge left, comes off the edge right. That's he'll right. kick inside. He'll rush inside. He'll rush stack behind a three technique. He can run sideline to sideline. I mean, he's got unbelievably good speed. I mean, he is he's something else. And Dan Quinn, you know, when you've got a guy with that kind of talent, then a coach that wants to utilize that talent in as many different ways as he can, man, that's just – that's like peanut butter and jelly. They're good apart, but they're better together, you know? It's like <laughs> they got something cooking down there with those two. There's no doubt. With all that being said, um, another thing is T-Board only got targeted two times this week. I was trying to figure that out because with them playing a lot of zone, you would think T Boyd would be one of the main targets with with running some over routes or you know um, running in the zone. Um, it didn't seem like they targeted him that much this week to me. Yeah, I mean, cover two. You're right. I mean, Tyler Boyd in the middle of the football field, tight end Hayden Hurst in the middle of the football field. You know, I can remember uh, tight ends in the Bengals pass. Bob Trumpy going all the way back to Bob Trumpy. Rodney Holman, Dan Ross, when people try to play cover two, tight ends would destroy it in the middle of the football field. There's no doubt. So, 
Um, you know, that they're going to have to figure out ways to attack cover two because it's happened the first two weeks now. Pittsburgh yeah. lived in cover two, and, and everybody's going to live in cover two until you figure out some cover two beaters and, and again, get some kind of a running game, you know, that you're going to be able to run them out of cover two and make one of those safeties sink in the box. Yeah, Co- cover two, they're light in the box, right? So you have to be able to run them out of it. Or yep. if you're going to throw them out of it, you got to be able to protect your quarterback long enough to get those verticals, right, up against those safeties or to get deep into that, that cover two hole. Your protection's got to be able to hold up long enough to be able to stretch the field down there. All right, Dave, tell us about our performer of the week, one of the guys that maybe we should talk about a little bit more on the defensive side of the ball, defensive tackle DJ Reader. Yeah, Solly, I'll tell you what, this guy should have made the Pro Bowl last year, in my opinion. He was as good an inside a, inside a defensive line player as there was in the National Football League, and he's carrying it over this year. He's been elected captain for a reason. He had five unassisted tackles yesterday. Uh, he's involved. You know, you run to the ball, good things happen. He ran to the football, get his first fumble recovery of his career, which is hard to imagine, but he came up with that big takeaway. Um, yeah, and then also – you know, he's an underrated pass rusher. He had a couple of good rushes inside. The quarterback, uh, Cooper Rush, got the ball out of his hand pretty quickly on both of them. I know that was probably a little frustrating, but um, he's a complete football player, and it's important to him. And uh, I'll tell you, every, every one of his teammates love the guy because of what he brings to the table in all areas. I think that's good for Cincinnati Bengals fans to know is because sometimes you can get lost in the middle of that defensive line. But this guy's a true leader in the locker room. You know that. Everyone, when he speaks up, everybody's listening, right? No doubt. He's like E.F. Hutton, man, you know? <laughs> when DJ Reader speaks, everybody's got their, their, their ears perked up and listening to what he's got to say. Um, he's, he knows what he sees. He knows what he's talking about. And, uh, yeah, he's, 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 a, he's a gem. There's no doubt. The Cincinnati Bengals got themselves a heck of a signing when they went out and brought him uh, to Cincinnati from the Houston Texans. Well, there's no doubt. Um, we keep bringing them in here, man. These are fun guys to root for. We're encouraging all Cincinnati Bengals fans to stay on board the bandwagon. It ain't going nowhere. We're going to keep it going. And Dave, thank you for taking the time to join us and shed some light on what's taking place with our team. Welcome back. Believe in Bingo podcast delivered by 828 Logistics. Adam Jones, we're going to put the coach's cap on you. Your team is off to an 0-2 start. What do you say when you walk into the locker room on a Monday uh, when you're facing your team who just was playing in the Super Bowl and now you get off to this 0-2 start to the season? You tell them straight up. Like, we lost these games in a matter of, what, four points? I mean, six points. We lost three. They kicked uh, kick the field goal uh, um, Pittsburgh week, and they kicked the field goal this week. You know, we just got to get to the details. And, and mainly, you know, handle the little things, handle the little things. I know the first week it was the long snapper. Um, for me, uh, this week, it was the offensive line. So um, we got to figure out a way to spread these guys out, put them in the best situation um, until the line gel together where we can run the ball, you know what I mean, 30-plus times. Because we're going to need to be – we're going to have to be able to run the ball come November and December. You know what? I'm going to tell my team, hey, guys, we, we're we not bringing in new guys in here. <laughs> hey, it's too late for that. We got to win with the guys we got. 
We got this is all we got and it's all we need. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to roll as coaches. We're going to help you. OK, and here's what we're doing. We're going to put our quarterback under center. No more of this shotgun on every single play. We're going back under center. You know why? Because we're getting ready to load up and run the ball downhill. No more running out of shotgun. No more running out of spread where we can allow guys to get up the field on us and hit our running back in the backfield. We're going to do a better job of handling the double A mug blitz where we can bring runners free off the corner like Michael Parsons. And we're going to do a better job of communicating up front on the line and not allowing Michael Parsons to come get a free hit on our quarterback. That's what we're going to do. We're going to get back under center and we're going to make people play some physical ball. And we're going to do the little things right. Cover, we're going to tackle, we're going to run it, we're going to block it, and we're going to throw it. Who's with me? And at the end of the day, if I think if you, if you get back to doing those things, because a lot of those things I just mentioned, we didn't do against the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> we definitely didn't do that against the Pittsburgh Steelers. So that, that's the conversation I'm having with my team. I'm opening up the floor to any questions, too. Because if they have any questions, I want to make sure that we leave the room with everything answered. I like that idea. My question would be, well, we didn't pound the ball like this. We have never been a pounding team. Hey, so you spent 70, <laughs> $70 million on offensive linemen that can't pound it? Yeah, I know you and I. Come in oh, there no, every week. I totally week. agree. We I come totally, in here I'm every week. You, so. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I totally agree. We got to be able to run the ball. Hey, man. Period. And, and you and to me, look, you're an old school football guy. I'm an old school football. Whenever I'm looking at a team, and even now when I watch the way the game is played today, whenever I see a quarterback under center, I mean, excuse me, in shotgun constantly, I say, this is not a team that wants to get physical. This is a team that wants to play seven on seven. They want to throw it all over the yard and have you look pretty while doing it because they're a shotgun. Every team tells you what they want to do. Alignment, assignment, formation, personnel grouping. When you get that quarterback under center, you put a fullback back there. I don't care if he's a tight end. I don't care if he's an extra lineman. But you put him back there and you tilt him one side. You out, Yeah, they know where you're going. You're going to run to the tilt of the back. But guess what? That guy leading up in there in front of Joe Mixon, getting ready to bloody somebody's nose. Quarterback under center buys you a little bit more time because you don't know if the guy's going to stick it in there, pull the ball back out. But when you're in shotgun, everybody can see you just doing this to the guy next to you. And ain't no physical run game in that zone kind of scheme. Mm. So, look, I mean, we all know this is a good team, and I'm not – redrawing up the Bengals playbook this they have plays like this you know this we've seen them get under we've seen Joe operate under center but in these first two weeks everything's out of shotgun all of Joe Mixon's runs are out of shotgun you ask any running back they'll tell you hey man put me in the eye let's load up this thing and let's get down and dirty and let's come downhill did you see the one run that they had when they blocked down pulled the two guards around and yeah. <laughs> it came screaming down here and run for a touchdown. That's, that's called the quarterback was under center. You can't run that play. Okay. Crack sweet. You can't run that out of shotgun. Talk to me now. Talk to <laughs> me. You are right. 
All right. You see, I'm getting hot and bothered over here. No, you have, you have, a, you have a, a great reason because you're knowledgeable of the game, Sally. And for all the fans out there, what, what Sally's saying is you give them a different illusion if you're up under the center. When you're in shotgun, there's only two things you can do. You know what I mean? If 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 you're up on the center, you can roll, you can fake the handoff, you can bootleg, you can pull it, throw, throw a slant quick. Um, I think if you look at Tulloch, what they did down there this week with the Dolphins, how they had him up on the center, he come yeah, back he and throw the slant, you know That's what I mean? Right. That's he right. was able to do a lot of things because you got to respect everything when you're up under the center. Got to respect play action. You got you to gotta respect the ball fake. The yeah. ball fake buys time for the receiver to get um, to get separation from coverage. And the at ball the end, fake, you got to play it honest, too, because if I keep it and he go crash down, he's fu- – I mean, he's messed up. And if he – if I hand it off and he stay on me, he messed up again. So it slows the defensive end down to make him say, hold up, do we got the ball? Do we not got the ball? And by the time you say that, you know, you can – Dinkins so, or do whatever so, you want to do. So it helps our offensive line and pass protection is what yes, I'm it trying does. to say. Yes, it, yes. it buys a little bit more time for the offensive lineman to get set in front of the defenders before the defender to say, oh, did the quarterback still has the ball? Did he hand it off? By the time now my tackle is set, now my guard is set, and the protection can hold up. You're helping every phase of your offense, the receivers in terms of separation, and you're helping your offensive lineman in pass protection. And oh, by the way, Joe Mixon ain't getting hit in the backfield. Now, I didn't just reinvent the game. These are tried and true principles that have been with this game for 103 years since the National Football League first lined up and bloody somebody knows on the other side of the ball. That's how long they've been doing it. Mm -hmm. This is the 103rd season of the NFL. And this is probably what our 100th broadcast of the Believe in Bingo podcast. And we're going to keep this thing going. Adam, it's been a great show. You know, next week we got them New York Jets. And uh as last I checked, we owe them one yes, from last we year. We owe the Jets one. He is Adam Pacman Jones. I'm Solomon Wilcox. Thanks for joining us, everyone, on the Believe in Bingo podcast delivered by 828 Logistics. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.